the lost, etc., etc. But we get stuck on the blueprint. The instruction as to what we do to make that happen. And so for each season of our life, for each mission that needs to be accomplished, there has to be a vision that we can see to accomplish that mission. And I believe that we'll be receiving fresh vision in this house in the days and weeks to come. And that vision will help us to see what God wants to do in this next season. For those of you that were here when I was here as the pastor, that season is over. We're not going back. We're not going back to that season. The intention is not to go back for that season. We're going forward. We're going into a new season. It doesn't mean the heart of it has to change in the sense that our heart is to do the will of the Father. But what that's going to look like for this season is going to be different than it was ten years ago. And I'm okay with that. I believe that God wants to do something really amazing to reach this region, to continue to reach this region. And it's up to us to follow him into that place. There has to be a blueprint, the vision has everything to do with being able to see what's going on. When you walk into a design-build facility that they're, they're into building houses, they don't sit in a room and just talk about it. They usually show you a model. They'll spend a lot of money making a model for you to look at. Or they'll show you pictures of the, the layout and the design. And all of a sudden you begin to get an image, a picture in your head about what's happening and what's going forward. When we declare things by faith, the the words that we speak are beginning to create a, a mental image of what God is up to, what we're believing for Him to do. When God changed Abram's name to Abraham, basically what he was doing was he was changing his terminology. He was changing his speech to match up with what God's intentions were. God had told him that he was going to have a son. And they were a hundred. And typically speaking, you don't have kids when you're a hundred. But God changed his name to, from Abram to Abraham, and Abraham means father of many nations. And so every time that somebody came and spoke to him, they were declaring what God's intention was, giving him a, a, an image of what that God's intention was. He made him listen to it over and over. I bet that got frustrating at times. I don't even have a kid yet. Stop calling me that. <laughs> right? That had to be frustrating at times. And then they went through the whole thing where they tried to do it by themselves. Right? And that's when Ishmael and Hagar, and then eventually Ishmael came into the picture, and that just was a mess. Right? So just because God gives us a promise doesn't mean, and He's creating that vision on the inside of us, that image that will be fulfilled, doesn't mean that we have to do it on our own or make it happen by ourselves. That's what happens with entrepreneur types. You know, we get impatient. 
We don't like the process. We just want to get her done. Quickly. As quickly as possible. Yesterday, if we could go back in time. Why? Because we're designed to make stuff happen. To get this stuff done. To make decisions. To move on with it. What are you waiting for? Process. The process was yesterday. And a lot of times because of that wiring, we can get ahead of what God is doing and mess things up. So there's a healthy balance of waiting on the Lord. I was just talking to, to uh, Jim before service, and he just let me know. He's like, hey, things are going good, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, but I was, I was having some jobs come up, and, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit said, not that one. And we all want jobs. We all want work. You know, the more the better, right? Especially with the entrepreneur guy. But the wisdom to know when to say no, not that one, comes from the Holy Spirit. And when we listen to the Holy Spirit, usually we're always, we're saving ourselves a big headache down the road. We're not sure what that big headache is that was averted by simply saying, okay, Lord, I'm not going to do that. But trust me, I have disobeyed that voice before and... Actually, like I'm saying, like one time, not really just one time, a lot of times. And it never ends well. It's always those situations where you're saying, oh, I wish I hadn't listened to my wife and not done that. <laughs> or uh, the Holy Spirit, I mean. <laughs> I don't know. They seem to work together for somehow. I don't know how that works, but it seems to work with her. All right. Vision has to do with what we see. Oftentimes, a prophet will come with a message to us that casts vision in seed form. It'll be just a a, a seed of what's to come. It'll be something that will start to stir, but it gives us an image, gives us a picture. It gives us something that's in our mind that the Holy Spirit will start to build on and work on and work with. I was working in the nursery last week. First time in my entire life that I worked in the nursery. I've been a preacher for all those years and never, even when I was a kid, never. I owned the nursery when I was a kid. But I never worked in the nursery. If you've never worked in the nursery, you owe it to yourself to to have that experience. Where's Israel? (laughs) Him and I got to be great friends. Hallelujah. Vision will help us get out of bed in the morning. Have you ever gone to bed at night and not known what you were going to do the next day? And you wake up in the morning and you don't really have the motivation to get out of bed. Maybe you know exactly what you have to do the next day. You still don't have the motivation to get out of bed. But uh, anyway, stay with me. You go to bed and there's no vision for the, for the next day. You don't have anything that's, uh, that's, that's happening, that's going on. There's no, there's, no, there's no plan. There's no purpose. There's no, there's no vision for the day. And a lot of times the motivation slips. I want you to know that God has a plan for every day of your life from now until when Jesus comes or he calls you home. 
God has a plan and a vision. And tapping into that vision will give us the reason for getting out of bed in the morning. Vision will help us get out of the bed in the morning. And what we see the night before will prepare us for the moment that that alarm clock goes off. I want us to turn to Numbers chapter 13 and verse 16. And we're going to talk about this for a little while. We all know the story that's related here, so we won't spend a whole lot of time talking about the the story necessarily, but just some points that will come out of that relating to vision. All of us need a reason to live. All of us know God's heart for this region. We all want people in this region to encounter God. The question is, how? What's it going to take? How are we going to do it? What's the plan? In verse 16 it says, And these are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hoshea the son of Nun, Joshua. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and to go and, and, and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up into the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are forests or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zizin as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath. And they went to the south and they came to all those places. And then in verse 23 it says, And they came to the valley of Eshkol, and there they cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. And they carried it between two of them on a pole. How many of you went to Sunday school when you was a kid? How many of you saw the flannel graph? I'm going to date you now. The flannel graph picture of the guy, the two guys with the pole and the Big, huge thing of grapes hanging down from them. I remember that well. It was Sister Snowman's class. Some of you remember Sister Snowman. What was he doing? He was trying to get them to understand that this land was abundant. He wanted them to bring back evidence of the abundance of this land. He was trying to get them to have a vision of what the potential was in this place. Oftentimes, we have to see the potential through vision before we ever get to where we're going. When we finally get there, the deal is done. Okay? So I want to talk to you about not just the deal being done, Because oftentimes we're so interested in getting to the end and getting the mission accomplished that we don't realize that there's a whole ton of stuff going on in between. I like the in-between. My flesh doesn't like the in-between, but my spirit man always increases in that in-between. So he, he told them for things to look for. He's like casting vision into them. What are you looking for? What does he want them to see? What does he want them to pay attention to? And so he gives them some ideas. He said, I want you to see what the land is like. I want you to take notice of the people who dwell in it, whether they are weak or whether they're strong, whether there's a lot of them or if it's just a rural area with a lot of trees and stuff. 
He wanted them to know and, and to communicate back to them whether the, the land that they dwell in is good or bad. Whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or are they strongholds. Getting a vision. Creating a vision. Come back with information that will give us a vision of what this land that we're getting ready to go possess is like. They knew what the mission was, but they were looking for the what. They knew that they were supposed, they'd already been told what the mission was. They were going to go take over the promised land. But they were trapped, not with why they were going, but with what they were going to encounter as they went. Whether the land is rich or poor, whether there be forests or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Bring back evidence that shows us what this land is like. And when they got there, they did just that. They spied out the land for 40 days. They looked around. They saw that there were amazing potential. There was amazing potential. They also saw that there were some crazy challenges, insane obstacles, stuff that would just crush normal people. Obstacles that they, in fact, is um, the descendants of Anak were there. Oh, great. The whole giant deal. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of them to begin with. And now we're going into the place that they live at. That's that's not good. Even on a good day, that's not good. You know, even on a faith-filled day when, when uh, the prophet has prophesied our future, that's not good news. In verse 27, when they told, then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. See now the vision coming from two guys and the other, what, ten didn't match. You got to be careful who you hang out with. Right? You have to be careful where your vision's coming from. If you're getting your vision from this cast down place where everything's not good, where everything's going south. What does that even mean? South isn't bad, <laughs> especially in the wintertime. What does that even mean? <laughs> you know what I mean. We use the saying all the time. But sometimes those sayings just don't make sense. So you've got to be careful who you get your information from. Be careful who you hang out with. Okay? We're to influence people. But remember that. We're to influence people. So those that are downcast, they need to get their head up. So your mission is to help them get their head up. The vision would be what it's going to take to do that. <laughs> we went into the land where you sent us, and it truly flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit. See this clump of grapes between two poles here. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, the Amalekites in the south. 
The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and all along the banks of the Jordan. So when we cross over the Jordan, the first thing we're going to hit is the Canaanites. And you know what those Canaanites are like. See that? Down. (laughs) It's like a dive bomber. But then Caleb, in verse 30, quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. You see, he hadn't forgot what the promise was from the beginning. Forty years ago, God had told them to go in and possess the land. They didn't go. And they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. And now they're going to get another shot. Caleb and Joshua, at the point where they had opportunity and a promise from God, held on to that promise and they didn't let go no matter what they saw, no matter what they heard, no matter what they felt, no matter what they experienced. They had a promise from God and they weren't going to let go. And actually, I am ahead of myself. Because the ten people that convinced Moses otherwise, or the congregation of Israel otherwise, shut down the plan. That's why you got to be careful who you hang out with. That's why you got to be careful who's casting vision in your life. That's why you got to be really picky about who's helping to, to determine your destiny and your future. And so they... Cast that vision, Caleb, Joshua, cast that vision. The ten others casted the other side of the vision, and everybody freaked out and gave up. God's promise never changed. We can freak out all we want to. God's promise isn't going to change. It might be another generation that accomplishes it, but His promise isn't going to change. He promised to give them that the land would be theirs for an inheritance. All he needed was a group of people that would believe what he told them was true and go forward. Do you remember when they they went to to the edge of the Red Sea? All he needed was a man to stand or somebody to stand in the gap. It just happened to be Moses. Stand in the gap, stretch out the rod, and tell the congregation of Israel to go forward according to the Lord's plan for their day. When they stepped forward by faith, the sea parted. Didn't happen ahead of time. They didn't wake up that morning, you know, and uh, they woke up and they all ran out to the banks of the, the Red Sea and it was this... Two heaps up on, you know, two, two walls of water and a big path dried out for them to walk across. Most of the time, our journey with God is going to require us to take steps of faith into the unknown at times, into those impossible situations where we know that it's only going to be God that gets us through. He designed it that way on purpose. Caleb and Joshua had a reason to live. They had a promise from God, and they wanted to see that promise fulfilled. They saw the giants. They saw the challenges of the path to the promise. And they didn't want to quit because of it, in spite of it. The other group 
saw the same challenges and it was overwhelming for them and they decided that it wasn't worth the effort. I want to encourage you today that it's not just the end result. It's not just the promised land. God has a lot that will happen in our lives between the time that He makes the promise and and the time that the promise comes to fulfillment. That journey is an undetermined length of time. We don't know how long that in-between time is. And usually it's got some tough days attached to it. Usually it's got some challenging situations inside of it. That's not the enemy. It's just the way it is. That's life in a fallen world. And I guess ultimately it is because of the enemy. But that's life in a fallen world. But God has a way through this fallen world that in the process of navigating through life's obstacles, we become everything that God has destined us to be. That 40 years that they spent wandering in the wilderness didn't have to happen. There was other circumstances, there was other challenges that would have molded the character in them to become everything that God had destined that generation to be. And they missed it because they wouldn't go forward. I want us to go forward. I want you to go forward. I don't want you to look back one second Don't look back. Don't look back. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how successful that you've been in the past. It doesn't matter how colossal of a failure you've been in the past. I'm telling you, today is a new day. And God has designed today to be the first day of the rest of your life. Start where you are and let's get going with this thing. He's not designed us to wallow in the mistakes of our past. He's not designed us to function well in the dysfunction of our past or even the successes of our past. So many times the conversation that we have amongst one another is stuff that happened 40 years ago. Well, that was amazing, but a lot of times the generation that's coming can't relate to what happened 40 years ago. They need to see something happening in their generation. And the same way that God caused you to be a success at whatever it was that you did in the past, He's got new successes for you to experience in the season that you're in right now that will be a testimony to those that are around you that's current. In the same fashion, that mistake that you made that you haven't let go of for 40 years God forgave you when you asked Him the first time, 40 years ago. He was done with it then. And He's really done with it now. He's like, are you kidding me? I don't want to hear about that one again. It's like our kids hearing that story that we've told 85,000 times. Dad, I don't want to hear that one again. God, I think, is the same way. He's like, I don't want to hear that one again. I, I'm done with that. You're done with that. I forgave you. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. All things have become new. Can we get on with it? I've got brand new stuff for you to experience. And you're gonna make, you're gonna make probably worse mistakes than that. Get over it. <laughs> You think you messed up for the last time in your life? You haven't. 
Trust me. You haven't. You're going to make worse probably mistakes in the future than you have in the past. It's just living in a fallen world. Hopefully you'll know how to deal with it better the next time around. So when you fall or you make a mistake or you make that blunder or you sin or you do the colossal whatever, he made provision in his word. He just simply said, when you sin, not if you would have Perhaps sin, you righteous thing, you. (laughs) If perhaps the unlikely event happens that you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. No, he said when, when, when you sin. Don't try to go do it. You know, don't just go make stuff up so the scripture's real. But He made provision for us. When you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. Confess your sins. And He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And isn't it true, the further that we go and the more of His abundance that we receive and His forgiveness that we receive, we truly do come into places where we're just not doing the same old dumb stuff over and over again. Right? But until that time comes for that particular issue that you have, know that God's on your side. He doesn't hate you. He loves you. He wants you to succeed. He's got a plan and a purpose. And today, He said, is a new day. Keep the promise in mind. Yeah, there's going to be the sons of Anak are coming. They're humongous. That's like Goliath's buddies or brothers. I don't know, maybe it was his brother's. Anyway, they were huge guys. They had an image of what a huge guy does. It's not pretty. Remember how they cowered in fear when Goliath was out on the, out on the, uh, you know, the, the tarmac or whatever it was? We're not going out there. You kidding me? I'm not going out there. I don't care what he gives us. There ain't no woman in the world that's worth going out there and getting beat on by that guy. King's daughter, all the king's land didn't matter. And along came David because he knew there was a promise on the inside of him. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of my God? Oh, that just makes me, that just makes me want to go fight something. (laughs) Who is this uncircumcised? This is a, a shepherd boy. He's a shepherd boy with a destiny. He's a shepherd boy with a destiny that God knows all about. Nobody else around him knows what the destiny is. But God had chosen him to be a king before the foundations of the earth. And there was things that were rising up on the inside of him while he was a shepherd boy. The lowly shepherd boy guy. You're like the least son of the red-headed stepchild out in the pasture while we go fight the war. God. That guy, God's got a plan for him too. And while he stewarded the season of a shepherd boy well, God prepared him to be a king. 
So when you think you're in the midst of your mess and your situation is so difficult and it feels like you're forgotten and it feels like nobody cares about you and it doesn't seem like the preacher notices you and on and on and on and on and on. I want you to know that God has not forgotten you. He knows exactly who you are and He has a plan for your life. The only thing that's going to stop that plan is us. Arrogance. Pride, all of those things that keep us from having the Father's heart, hearing His voice. When we enter into all of that mess, it slows the plan down because we can't hear like we're supposed to hear. We can't obey like we need to obey. But God still has a plan and He's just still waiting for us to listen. All right. In the heat of the fire and the opposition and the obstacles, we are forged and fashioned with character that can be trusted, that can withstand the attacks of the enemy, and that will persevere until the vision is cast and the mission is accomplished. I want you to know this morning that God's up to something. He knows exactly what He's doing in you. And yeah, the enemy's probably thrown you a ton of curveballs. And it may not make sense where you are even right now. But I want you to know something. You can trust God. You can trust God with the spot that you're in right now. Don't reject the spot that you're in right now. God is bigger than the spot that you're in right now. He's bigger than the spot that you're in. Even if you're depressed out of your mind, God's bigger than the spot that you're in right now. Even if you don't think that anything could get any worse and you can see some things on the horizon that could possibly make it worse, God knows where you are and He's got a plan through it. The Red Sea was pretty much impassable. And He just split it in half and said, there, there you go, there you go, there you go. You thought I wasn't going to show up. <laughs> How about that? You know, that's God! That's God, and He's still doing that stuff today. He'll shoot you a little message on your little electronic thing. And He'll say, hey, I've been praying for you right in this spot right now. I'm praying for you. And it's a person that I didn't think liked me anymore. I'm not kidding you. It's a person I thought didn't like me anymore. Well, how do they even find out, one, and why would that message come right now? That's why you don't go, go, go thinking too much like this. Oh, Lord, they probably don't like me. <laughs> it's so stupid and it's so much a lie. It's so much a lie. Keep your head up. Keep going forward. Keep the promise in your heart. Keep the promise in, the, in your heart. That's why it's important to spend time with God so that we can hear what He said about our destiny, about our future. You know, there's the church, Celebration Life. We all want Celebration Life to succeed. But do you know Celebration Life isn't the only thing that's happening around here? It really isn't. It's, it's great and I love it and it's part of my DNA. But it's not the only thing that's happening around here. Do you know that there's, there's a vision that you don't need Pastor Quentin to come and help you figure out, tell you about the church? It's your vision. What's God told you to do? You have a personal life. God's got a plan and a purpose for you personally. And a lot of times it ties in with the church and the church vision. But God has a plan for your life as an individual. You're not just some, some you know, like we're, the body of Christ is not just like some combined blob that doesn't have any 
individualism. We're all unique, handcrafted by God, uniquely handcrafted by God to fulfill his purpose and destiny for our lives. Oh, Lord. All right, go to Numbers chapter 14, if you would please, and then I'm going to quit. And the bulk of my message is in, in the 14th one. So the bulk is going to go somewhere. All right, so the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept all that night. So now they've, they have absorbed or embraced the reality of, of the impossibility. They've not embraced the reality of God's promise, go in and take this land over. They embraced the impossibility. They got a vision of the the immensities of the problem, and they embraced that, and now they're crying about it. Come on. That's what happens. That's what happens. Happens every time. So all the congregation lifted up their voice, and they cried and they wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt or if only we had died in this wilderness. I want you to understand this morning that the enemy wants you to be crying about your situation. All he wants you to do is start complaining. All he wants you to do is start weeping over the impossibility of what you're facing or what what you're, you're up against. He just wants you to fall on the floor in a pool of tears. I'm not saying that it's not all right to sometimes fall in a pool of tears. We're just emotional human beings, and we need to do that. I come home sometimes, and my wife is just crying. And I'm like, what? Everything is good. The last time I checked, everything was good. And she's like, I don't know why I'm crying. It's just a cry day. And I'm like, what are those? What is a cry day? Cry day Friday. <laughs> I don't know why they do that. So it's, but I've learned that it's okay. You know, it's just a thing that comes and it passes and, and uh, it seems to get better. So, so I stop fighting that. You know. <laughs> so typical human nature will be overcome by emotions and then, once you get past the cry part, and that doesn't end it, you know, it's kind of like a grace in the cry part. You know, it's like, okay, the cry part is just cry part. But, but then after the cry part, that we have that opportunity to start complaining. And that's when it gets messy. Because now we're making declaration, and if that declaration doesn't take us into a, into a place that, that supports the promise then we're going to end up in a bad place. Okay? So the crying turned to complaining for Israel, and that's when it didn't end well. Giving in to emotion combined with complaining will cause us to react or respond, get this, irrationally. Irrationally means it doesn't make sense. So we're responding to the situation with information that's actually contrary to our response, and our response, based on what the promise is, does not make sense. What do they say? If only we had died in the land of Egypt. What is, what is that? 
Okay, so you don't want to go forward. You just, so just die now? That doesn't seem like a better option to me. That's, isn't that irrational? So when our emotions get the best of us and we have our cry and things don't get better and we start complaining, then we're probably going to go into this, this other spot and we become irrational. Things don't work right up, up, upstairs anymore. We're st- we start to think all kinds of weird stuff and the enemy's doing his thing. And so they go on to say, or if only we had died in this wilderness. That isn't even any better. So then they went for the uh, jugular. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Now that's a plan right there, isn't it? That's a plan. That makes perfect sense. You know why it makes perfect sense? Because if you remember correctly, in the land of Egypt, there was leeks and onions and melons. Forget the fact that you were getting the stuff beat out of you every day. That your people were dying by the thousands. That you were being abused. Oh, we remember the leeks and the onions and the melons. That doesn't make sense either. Right? But the enemy wants us to just look back and we remember that warm, fuzzy moment where probably one time there was a little banquet where they had a, had a, a happy spot and they remembered that. Isn't that the truth? When the enemy's got us up against the fence and we want to be anywhere but right against this wall right here because it's right in our chest. We want to get out of that spot. So we'll go anywhere but be in that spot. No, you don't. No, you don't. Trust me when I say most of the time you need to stay right in that spot. Stay right here with your back against the wall until the promise comes to fruition. Stay right in this spot right here where you can't move to the right or to the left or up or down. I'm really not in a good spot with that speaker right there. Stay right there until God's done. Until he either delivers you or that character that needs to be forged in that spot is accomplished. Stay there. Stay there. Stay there. Stay there. Don't move. Stuff's happening on the inside of you right now. There are so many unknowns in my life right now. I have never been in a spot in my life where there are so many unknowns. There's been so many weird stuff that's happened, so much weird stuff that's happened in the last year that I was not prepared for to have happen. My dad was 70 years old and he just died. He got sick with cancer and died in six months. I was not prepared for that. And now it's opened up. That's, that's enough, but it's opened up another whole group of things that the decisions that he made before he died, I was not prepared for the decisions that he made before he died. I didn't know what they were. And then when I found out, I wish I still didn't know. <laughs> but you know what it's doing? It's forcing me into a spot where I have to deal with stuff that I thought I wasn't going to have to deal with. I want to tell you something. God knows how to maneuver things into place so that we can become everything that he's destined us to be. And he's not against us going through some difficult times. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, he said, you make sure that you endure hardness as a good soldier. 
You stay focused. You stay true to the mission. You stay true to the vision. Keep that promise locked on the inside of you. And whatever comes your way, face it. Face the giants. Face the obstacles. Face the oppositions. Don't look to the right or to the left. Don't try to squirrel out of it. Face it. And I really believe that's for this body right now. Face it. Face it. Really, the next three weeks, I'm, I'm really happy that Quentin's coming. Pastor Quentin's coming. But you know what? There's three weeks before he gets here. A lot happens in three weeks. I don't want to be so focused on three weeks from now that what needs to happen in these three weeks without him here doesn't take place because I'm distracted by some other event that's in the future. So God, help us to stay focused right now. I need this week coming. I need every situation that's unfolding in this week coming. We need everything that's on our plate right now. It doesn't mean that that doesn't need to change. And change is good. But what you're facing right now, I would encourage you to embrace it. Endure the hardness of it as a good soldier. Look past the problem and see the promise and see what God is doing in the midst of the warfare that you're in, the battle that you're in. God is able to bring amazing stuff out of every situation that we face. And don't be like the children of Israel that said, we just want to go back to where we were. No. No. Not to the last four years. Not to the eight years before that. When this church was established. That's past. There's a new group of people intertwined with the ones that were here from, from when we were here. And all of that is amazing and awesome. And God bless America. But it's a new season. Amen? We've got a new leader coming. God's got a plan for all of us. And it's going to fit together in an amazing fashion. And God's going to get the glory. And the vision will be established so that the mission can be accomplished. Amen? Is that a good, good word? Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word today. It's lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And I thank you, Lord, for giving us the ability to see that what you're up to isn't always pleasant in the moment, but it produces fruit to righteousness. So God, change us. God, thank you for rooting out in me stuff that didn't need to be there. And thank you in the days and weeks and months and years ahead that you're going to root more stuff out. And we're going to see you do amazing things on our journey. We don't despise this spot that we're in. We embrace it. We thank you for it. And we ask, Lord, that we would stay focused and moving forward. In Jesus' name. The reason that I chose to do the offering at the end was oftentimes the offering is a spot that we have to to, uh, accomplish during the course of a service. But this is directly tied to the promise, to the mission, and the vision. Without a vision... 
we're probably not sure what the mission is. And without a mission or a vision, there really isn't any purpose or plan. And so we're oftentimes just simply giving out of an obedient gesture because we know that that's something that we're supposed to do. So today, I want us to stand together and as an act of faith, we're going to give into the vision that is to come. Not something that was past. Not into, you know, what Brian and Leah did or Ray and Tracy did. But what God is doing for this next part of the journey forward. And I believe that God wants us to do it together. This process that we've been through in the last six or eight months, it's been a difficult process, has it not? It's taken a lot of life out of us. It's been hurtful, difficult, challenging, to say the least. Everybody involved. But He doesn't want us to stay in that spot. He wants us to move forward, healed, restored, and the vision will come. Amen? So today we're going to sow into that vision that's to come. Lord, show us the plan. Show us the blueprint. And we're sowing toward that end this morning. So Father, we prepare our offering in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that as we sow seed into the destiny of Celebration Life, And even the destiny of this couple that's coming to us. It's a brand new season for them. They're launching into the deep end of the pool in many many, uh, senses. So, Father, we sow. We sow into that this morning, expecting an abundant harvest that would not just be all about celebration life, but it will be about the body of Christ in this region and how that we can work together to accomplish the great commission, the great mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to that end, we give this morning, and we give you thanks and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you give. Thank you for your involvement. Thank you for being here today. We dismiss you in the name of Jesus.